Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No change, I can change, I can change, I can KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292 FQ Riverside, and K293 CF Moreno Valley. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. Winding down in the early window, I'm Pete Fox. Bill's trying to come back. Josh Allen has left the game after getting rocked helmet to helmet. Matt Barkley came in and is trying to move the Bills, and they have just punted it away to the Patriots. It's 16-10. Patriots deep in their own territory. 8-35 remaining in that one. Chiefs have regained the lead in Detroit against the Lions. 7-46 remaining. Kansas City with the ball up. 27-23. It's third and 13 on their own 39-yard line. 209 remaining in Indianapolis. Raiders comfortably in front of the Colts. 31-27. Derek Carr, 189 yards and two touchdowns. Trevor Davis has run for a touchdown and 74 yards. A final from MetLife. The Giants are two and two after beating the Redskins, who are still winless. 24-3. The final. Daniel Jones, 225 yards in the air, one touchdown. Wayne Gallman ran for 63 and a touchdown. Sterling Shepard, 76 yards. 209 remaining between the Browns and the Ravens. It's 40 to 18. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, 342 and a touchdown. Nick Chubb has run for 165 and three touchdowns, including an 88 yard touchdown run, the longest of the season in the NFL. 13 to 10, Panthers leading the Texans. Carolina has the ball in the red zone. Two minutes remaining there. Titans, a 24-10 win over the Falcons, who are 1-2. Make it 1-3. No, 1-2. Titans also uh, evening their record after the win. Chargers are 500 after a 20-point win over the Dolphins in Miami. Phillip Rivers, 3-10 and two touchdowns. Of course, Miami Still winless. I'm Pete Fox. This is NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Scores app. Okay, let's talk about it. Shatter your notions. You like to enjoy life, right? Maybe you imbibe a little. Come on, you know, uh, weed. 70% of Californians agree that cannabis should be safe, legal, and easy. 
Now it's available at Shatter Dispensary in San Bernardino. Shatter has a full line of cannabis products, including cannabis cartridges, concentrates, edibles, and CBD massage bombs. Top-of-the-line products, services, and brands in a safe, classy environment, all tested in state-licensed laboratories. Shatter is at 350 West 5th Street in downtown San Bernardino. Open daily from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. From affordable to top shelf, Shatter can help you find the perfect product for your cannabis needs. Google Shatter Dispensary and Lounge in San Bernardino, and you've got it. That's Shatter, S-H-A-T-T-E-R. Must be 21 years of age or older. Shatter, license C10-0000542. Hey, Ryan, do we have any beer in the fridge? Nah, I thought you got some. Oh, the game starts in five minutes. And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday. I wish there was a place that delivered beer. Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. That's Captain, C-R-A-F-T, apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers. That's right, the Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C-R-A-F-T-D-B-E-E-R-Store.com or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for beersness. And I'm here to deliver. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us if you want Viagra at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-357-1583 today to save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-357-1583 to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. Again, 800-357-1583. Why are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio, we broadcast to the world. Online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook, you'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And get ready to transmit. 
the information economy has arrived. The world is teeming with innovation as new business models reinvent every industry. Every industry. Inside Analysis is your source of information and insight about how to make the most of this exciting new era. Learn more at InsideAnalysis.com. InsideAnalysis.com. And now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Oh, yeah, folks. Welcome to the future is right. Goodness gracious. Screaming through 2019. It's now September. Wow. What is going on out there, folks? This is another special episode, our special series called Query This. Your host here, of course, going to be interviewing a couple of excellent speakers today all about the information age. Well, what do you need for the information age? You need data, and you need data at scale. You need it where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. And these days, that is a very serious challenge for many large organizations and even small companies, frankly. We have the cloud everywhere. We have sort of de facto cloud architectures that are evolving right now. I'm big on the de facto terminology these days. It, I kind of picked it up in the last few weeks. But the bottom line is that uh, there are tremendous needs for data, for analysis. If you are a data-driven company, you're using information to drive those decisions. If you're not a data-driven company, well, as one of my guests said in the pre-show here, evolution is optional. <laughs> you can choose to be gobbled up by one of the new web giants that is tackling just about every industry. It's really fun to watch as companies are evolving and finding new ways to leverage information as an asset. And that is the topic for today. So our exact title for the show today is, What is a Data Lake and Do You Need One? Well, that's a very interesting question. So just to give our audience an understanding of what we mean by this term, most people know what a database is, right? An Excel spreadsheet is a database, an access database often used for personnel issues, keeping track of who's in your company. It's one of the older ones that's been around for a while. Of course, IBM and Oracle have their databases. It's been a big, big business for Oracle for many years now. And uh, those guys are still kicking, still going strong, usually by acquisition, right? So big companies go out and acquire other companies. IBM just bought Red Hat. That's a pretty big deal. I have uh, the news on that, folks. And basically, IBM is going to be touting their open source cloud environment, right? So... Open source, as we know on the show, has been a real movement for years now, and it's driving how software gets designed, how it gets operated, and it helps people avoid this thing called lock-in. So that's going to happen, too. IBM, of course, a major player in this space. But lots of new players, lots of very interesting companies who are facilitating this transformation. So like I said, we went from database. Now we're in data warehouses. We have those everywhere. We have cloud-based data warehouses like Snowflake that are taking off like no tomorrow. And then we have this concept of a data lake. Well, basically what happened is that large organizations realized, especially in Silicon Valley, that database technology, traditional database technology, was not going to be able to handle the needs of some of the information-intensive environments, so-called big data. And big data, I often refer to as real-world data at scale. It could be any number of things. It could be log data, for example. Lots of information systems, lots of corporate enterprise systems have tremendous capabilities in terms of the log files, and they are there for all sorts of different reasons, one of which being to just log what happened and for troubleshooting reasons. Well, about 10 or 15 years ago, we saw this whole wave of technologies come out for reading log files and being able to do interesting things with them. So that's part and parcel of what we'll talk about today. But the bottom line with the data lake is that companies realize they 
traditional database or even a data warehouse, which is a very structured relational model for hosting data, especially transactional data, like how many widgets we sold in this region for this time period, for what profit, and so forth. The kind of questions that analysts need to ask in order to understand what's really happening out there in order to make some changes to their business. So this is really important stuff for the people who are running the business, for the analysts and for the decision makers. It's really important to know how many widgets were sold, what does the market look like? There are all kinds of things happening, but big data is a really big part of that these days. Think of sensor data, think about cell phone data, where you are all the time, geolocation data. So these are all types of data that are being put into a data lake for those companies that have one. But the question again, do you need a data lake in your organization? We even came up with a title last Friday of the de facto data lake, meaning uh, everyone has a data lake to a certain degree, but how well can you access the information? It's always about provisioning and speed of access, right? Who doesn't want to get their data right away? If you want to do a query on something, if you want to query your information systems, you want to be able to do that query right now and get the answer right now. You don't want to wait over the weekend. And that's what it used to be a lot of times until we optimize these systems for getting access to insights and information. So that is what we're going to talk about today. We have a couple of guests. Big thanks to HVR Software, by the way, for their sponsorship of our show today, allowing us to bring you this content free of charge. But yes, we're going to talk about data access and data lakes. Do you need a data lake? That's going to be an interesting question. So we've got Neil Barton from Wearscape dialing in. I love this company. These guys have done some really good work around data warehouse automation. So if you think about what it takes to build a data warehouse, well, five to seven or ten years ago, it took six months and a couple million dollars to build a data warehouse. A company called Teradata made a lot of money building data warehouses or working with partners to build them. Wearscape came along and figured something out that automating the process of building the warehouse and especially automating the documentation that goes into it was a pretty clever move and can facilitate and expedite the creation of these environments. So with that, Neil Barton from Wearscape, welcome to Inside Analysis and our special show, Query This. Tell us a bit about your company and a bit about the, the power of automation. Thanks, Eric. Uh, thanks for the invite to be on the show. Yeah, so as you said, Westgate, we, we're a software company. We automate, we help IT developers automate the, the design, the development, the deployment, the operations, and documentation of their data warehouse or data mart, whether that's uh, you know, 3NF, you know, Inman style, or you know more of a you know, Kimball's dimensional model or some of the newer the data vault methodology from someone like Dan Linstead. Uh, both on-prem and cloud. So we will help you, your IT developers, build out the design of that and develop the code and ensure that that code is uh, optimized for the platform in use. So when you're on Teradata, we generate Teradata code. If it's Oracle, it's going to be Oracle PL SQL Store Procedures. And then if you're up in the cloud, which, which we are seeing a lot of our, our companies go today, you know, whether it's in Redshift or Snowflake, we'll generate code that is uh, native to those platforms. So there's no back, black box processing. And it will also generate so it's optimized for that platform, so you're getting the, the best bang for buck out of hardware. And then we do all mm -hmm. of that from metadata, which allows you to more easily enhance and maintain that data warehouse the data mark over time, which a lot of organizations find to be the most expensive part of their environment as they maintain that uh, living, breathing organism uh, mm -hmm. for you know, two, five to ten years down the road. And obviously in today's world with governance being, being a pretty, cool, pretty important factor, we provide 
documentation that's automatically kept up to date with where you are in your data warehouse environment. Hmm. Yeah, because agility is the key these days, right, Neil? I mean, the, again, the whole purpose of the warehouse for our audience's sake out there is to get a really clear understanding of the numbers of your business. How much are you selling? Where are you selling it? What's the profit margin? All that. All that. You know, this we talked about last week on DM Radio. This concept of TCO total cost of ownership, that is a very difficult thing to ascertain, especially in a complex, large organization. But these days, we can do that with data warehousing. But to your point, Neil, it's really important to know where you are in your evolution as an organization and where your solutions are, whether that be a data warehouse or a data lake, right? And that's all about documentation. It's all about really understanding the, the state of your data, how current it is, and where your weaknesses are. Right, Neil? Well, absolutely. I think the other thing that's particularly relevant today is that the data warehouse is really a central area where companies are driving their business. So the notion you can go away for six months and develop something by hand, uh, the business side of the house doesn't really have the time, the patience for that. So having automation take all of that rote repetitive work off it allows the IT developers to deliver in you know, days what would usually take months. And from a business standpoint, uh, they get the time to value on that data. IT, they get the you know, reduced time, cost, and risk in delivering the project. And that's really critical as, as organizations uh, look to leverage data, uh, both to reduce costs and, and grow uh, revenue. And as you said at the top of the show, you know, the information economy right, is all about data now. Yeah, and let's talk about the automation so people understand what we mean here. And let's face it, automation, I try to remind people about this, um, it's a very powerful technology. And if you get right down to brass tacks, every software application in the history of software itself has automated something, whether it's the spell check way back in the day or word processing just in general whether it's analysis of data, building of a data warehouse, et cetera, there's some part that's being automated. And what we're seeing now is really a, a third and fourth generation of automation technologies. When you start talking about automating the construction of a data warehouse, well, look at what this company Snowflake has done with data warehousing in the cloud, right? Which is the, they thought through it and they realized, hey, if you could just spin up a new schema with your data warehouse, fairly quickly that gives you agility. And to kind of explain to our audience, when you talk about schema, you're literally talking about the the facets, the component parts of what makes your business special and being able to design a, a prism through which you can look at your corporate data and better understand it, right? Well, in the old days, the schema was really important, and you had to do what they call schema on write, meaning as you're actually writing into the warehouse, you need to understand what that schema looks like. One of the interesting things about the data lake movement is that you just persist all the data in blob format, as they'll say sometimes, even if you have to do that, or however you want to do it. You just persist it in there, and then you do schema on read. So you don't have to worry so much about persisting it, but you do have to worry a little bit about what's going in there and where it's going, right? I think that was maybe one of the, the misconceptions, Neil, with the early days of the data lake is that people realize if you're not careful about what you're putting in there and understanding where it's going inside that data lake, it might be difficult to get it out on the other end when you need it, right, Neil? Well, I think that's exactly true. I mean, a lot of companies failed when they started the original data lakes. They just fired you know, up HDFS and then just started throwing data in there, but 12 months down the road, what have I got? Where is it? 
who owns it, uh, where did it come from, what do we do with it? If you don't capture that information, it becomes, you know, you use the term, right, data junkyard, data, data swamp. You've really got to understand what's in there, where it came from, what do we do to the data on the way through the processing in order to add value to that data over time. Yeah, and trust is one of the key issues, right? I mean, just as a general rule, the users need to trust the data that's either in their warehouse or their data lake or wherever it is. And trust is one of those things that takes sometimes years to build and moments to lose, right, Neil? So really focusing on understanding. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. And then there's so many downstream negative aspects to that. If you lose the trust, that's why it's important for the senior leadership to really instill those values in their team, right, Neil? Yeah, and I think um, there's two aspects to, to the trust of the data, and, and which is why we have, we WESCAP have a great relationship with Mark and the, the team at HBR is do I trust that all the data from that source system made it into the my data lake or my data warehouse, right? So that's what HVR can do. Um, the, the other aspect of trust is, is, is the fitness purpose for the data. Uh, is that data something that I could use for, say, board reporting, right? Is it accurate down to the penny uh, and, and I can use it for board reporting, or has it maybe got some data quality issues that I couldn't do for, for board reports, but I could use for sales and marketing analysis, right? It's good for directional analysis. So understanding... And trusting that I got all the data over is, is an important aspect, but also understanding um, the quality of the data and its fitness purpose is becoming uh, pretty relevant these days, uh, especially with the yeah, governance concerns in play and a lot of companies wanting to use data that didn't come from my ERP system, that came from other areas which may not be as uh, as clean as we're used to in, you know, in ERP systems and such from uh, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, so I really like this fit-for-purpose concept that you just threw out there, so let's kind of dive into that very quickly. To your point, there are different reasons why you want to access data. Is this for reporting to Wall Street, for example? That's where you want to be very, very careful that you got it right. Or is this just for exploratory purposes, right, to better understand a market landscape, a topography, you know, to do some general research to figure out which direction to go or which kind of new products to launch? These are all different use cases that have different facets to them in different levels of the bar, if you will, of how high you have to raise it in terms of quality. And of course, data science is a very hot topic these days as companies really kind of dig into the data. So depending upon the ultimate purpose of the data of the environment, that's when you have to think about how carefully you want to control it, right? And again, if it's for the board, if it's for the Wall Street, that's where you're very, very careful and you have to be less careful if it's just for research purposes, right, Neil? Absolutely, and I think a lot of that ties back to you know, the topic of the show, which is data lakes, right? If I bring data into my data warehouse for controlled, governed reporting, it tends to go through a lot more uh, control over what transformation is being done to the data. There's a lot more effort applied to the data before I can get access to it. Whereas if I land the data into a data lake, I can get it in there, I can persist that I know where it is and what it is, but then I can let my data science people play with the data and see what value there is there. Is it a one-off uh, nugget of gold they can find that um, it's not really useful beyond that, or is it something they can then turn around and use on an ongoing basis? So what we see with organizations as we see data lakes becoming more prominent is that they start to put all the data into the lake, and then a subset of it eventually makes it into the warehouse, and potentially it may sit in the, in the data lake for you know, 6, 12, 18 months before a subset makes it into the warehouse, if at all. 
Yeah, so this is in your what you're kind of hinting at here is an information architecture, right? Where you've got different systems in different places that are handling different aspects of your information needs. But to really think that through, that's an architectural conversation, right? Yeah, absolutely, architectural conversation. Do I need the data? What is the best technology and architecture for, uh, technology for a particular type of analytics? Do I use a traditional relational database? Am I using S3 or something for an object store for my data lake? Is a you know, pretty common example. I'm using Snowflake. If I'm doing relationship analysis, maybe I want to use a, a triple store or some form of graph database. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, fit-for-purpose database platforms we're seeing pop up that are very... Yeah, you have a narrow fit, making sure you've got the right architecture to build on as you uh, evolve your uh, your data warehouse or your data environment over the future is really a key thing to maximize the value of the data you've got within the business. Yeah, no doubt about it. And And folks, there are so many different use cases. There are so many different very specific and granular business needs out there. And the whole point of having a data warehouse or a data lake is to expedite access to the relevant information. So again, your data warehouse, that's going to be probably where you'll go to get data for reporting, for example. Your data lake could have all kinds of data in there. To Neil's point, there are lots of different sources of data these days, whether that's in social media, whether that's third-party data. There's this whole concept of alternative data that people keep talking about. All of it can be meshed together to get a better view. And we'll pick that up after the break. Don't touch that dial, folks. You are listening to Query This on Inside Analysis. We'll be right back. Your data, where you need it. Query This is brought to you by HVR, the leading independent provider of real-time data replication software. With HVR, you get a low-impact solution to replicate and integrate data from a variety of source systems, such as Oracle, SQL Server, Postgres, Salesforce, to destinations such as Kafka, Azure, AWS, Snowflake, and more. Get it delivered fast, efficient, secure. HVR offers everything you need in one tool for real-time data replication. Initial load and table creation, log-based change data capture, data validation, and visual statistics on how your data is moving so that you can optimize your data flows. Give your business intelligence teams accurate data they can trust when they need it. Learn more at hvr-software.com. That's hvr-software.com. Would you take $100 and throw 80 of it away? If you're taking drugstore vitamin tablets, that's exactly what you're doing because 80% of those tablets are not being absorbed. Hi, I'm naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, creator of Texas Superfood. Many of you take Texas Superfood daily and feel great, but some people tell us they just don't like the taste of green powder or they have a problem swallowing capsules. That's why we created our new line of great-tasting liquid supplements. Go to texassuperfood.com slash liquid. From multivitamins to products for energy, sleep, joint care, and more, our liquid supplements offer the highest absorption rates available anywhere, up to 96%. Imagine waking up after a great night's sleep feeling rested and ready to handle the day with endless energy and clarity. Stop wasting your money on drugstore vitamin tablets that don't work. Get absorbable liquid nutrition from the name you trust, Texas Superfood. Visit Texas superfood.com slash liquid to get 20% off. Go to texassuperfood.com slash liquid. Go to texassuperfood.com slash liquid now. 
Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Nissan says that their new RDA system, Rear Door Alert, will be in 10 of its nameplates and will be available on all four-door trucks, sedans, and SUVs by 2022. RDA uses Sequence Logic, the center instrument panel. Sorry, out of breath, trying to get back in shape and knock off the rust of my breakdancing skills, hoping to make the Olympic team. Student debt in this country is up to $1.6 trillion. Students getting out this year will owe an average of $29,000 apiece. That's nothing. Have you checked the national debt lately? Almost $23 trillion. Disney chairman and CEO Bob Iger wants to run for president. Let's get a businessman in there, they said. At the top. It'll be great, they said. Oh, and Duke freshman guard Cassius Stanley set a school record with a vertical leap of over 45 inches. Me? Close. 4.5 inches. And New York Mayor Bill de Blasio has quit his comedy career. And by quitting his comedy career, I mean he ended his run for the presidency. That's more like it. Hey, it's Monday. Up and at em. I'm Daniel French, and this is News For You. Would you take $100 and throw 80 of it away? If you're taking drugstore vitamin tablets, that's exactly what you're doing because 80% of those tablets are not being absorbed. Hi, I'm naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, creator of Texas Superfood. Many of you take Texas Superfood daily and feel great, but some people tell us they just don't like the taste of green powder or they have a problem swallowing capsules. That's why we created our new line of great-tasting liquid supplements. Go to texassuperfood.com liquid. From multivitamins to products for energy, sleep, joint care, and more, our liquid supplements offer the highest absorption rates available anywhere, up to 96%. Imagine waking up after a great night's sleep feeling rested and ready to handle the day with endless energy and clarity. Stop wasting your money on drugstore vitamin tablets that don't work. Get absorbable liquid nutrition from the name you trust, Texas Superfood. Visit TexasSuperfood.com slash liquid to get 20% off. Go to TexasSuperfood.com slash liquid. Go to TexasSuperfood.com slash liquid now. I've been told this whole time that weed wasn't addictive. One American Airlines passenger could not wait until his flight hit the ground before he lit a joint on a flight from Phoenix to Minneapolis and locked himself inside the plane's lavatory. Hold on. Maybe it wasn't the bud that was making him so nuts. He blamed it on being on out of his mind on cocaine. Bonus, he threatened to kill the flight crew, so I guess he won't be flying the friendly skies anytime soon. An American tourist in Tanzania is dead just minutes after proposing to his girlfriend on the other side of the glass of the couple's underwater hotel room. Stephen Weber, without snorkel or tank, dove into the water outside of Manta Hotel on Pemba Island, presenting a ring and his note to his girlfriend, Kanisha who said yes. That was the last she saw of Stephen, him swimming back toward the surface. Local authorities are investigating what appears to be an accidental drowning. A fifth grader in Washington state is being called a hero for recognizing that his school bus driver was drunk. The boy first called his mom, describing the driver's condition. Mom confirmed his fears. Yeah, the driver shouldn't be driving. The kid said that the bus driver ran a number of red lights. The 48-year-old was later arrested after successfully making all of her stops. 
A California woman struggling to push her baby stroller got an unwanted bit of help from two Bakersfield police officers who, when they actually tried to push it and couldn't, just like the woman, realized that the extremely heavy baby was actually $6,000 worth of quarters that our non-mom had just recently stolen from a nearby house. Bonus, the woman had missed a number of court appearances. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And was carrying meth. Meth, right? Surprise. And finally, a Florida woman on tour in Louisiana has been cited for biting the private parts of a camel that had sat on top of her outside of a small-town gas station. The dromedary, on display in Iberville Parish, was provoked after the woman's husband threw a dog treat into the habitat, into which, of course, their dog ran. The woman, chasing after the dog, was then sat on by Casper the camel and did what she thought she had to do. The old boys, old boys, were right there, so she <coughs> chomped down. The couple faced a couple of misdemeanor charges. Casper the Camel was not seriously hurt. Think you've got a good radio show idea? Gab Radio Network can help you with your podcast or radio show. Find out more by emailing sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Until tomorrow, I'm Daniel French, and this is News for You. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Take us to the future. All right, folks. Take us to the future is right. Here once again on Query This, a special pilot series with HVR, a very cool software company that can get you the data you need when you need it, how you need it, lots of different ways of making that happen. There's an old technology that is coming back in spades these days. It's everywhere now called CDC. That stands for Change Data Capture. And just very quickly to describe what that means is if you can think about how a lot of times you'll want to load a database, let's say a CRM database, customer relationship management, you want to load all that activity in there. And you do this bulk load where you load the whole thing. Well, after a while, that gets to be a bit cumbersome because the file size gets big. The amount of information gets significant. You're moving it across the network typically. That takes time. So there is a much easier way and a much faster way to get the data that you need, and that's called change data capture. As the name would indicate, what you do is you literally track changes in a source system, and then when you want to update the target system, all you do is focus on those changes that took place. So we subtracted 10 from here, we added 10 to there, we changed this name, boom, done. 
So now instead of trying to load some massive file or move some large piece of information across the network, you're just making very small changes. So that's just one of things. One of the things that uh, HBR does. But we've got Mark Vandeveel on the line, CTO for HBR. And Mark, you know, we're talking on the break there about why a data lake and everything is changing so quickly. I think it really matters on the company, on the industry, and on the use cases. You have to think through all of those components to come up with your information strategy. And I think that it's really important that companies do this because you need to have your strategy. You need to know, A, what you can afford, B, what you really need, C, what you can build yourself, D, what you can buy off the shelf. All these things come into play. And there are so many options these days. But Mark, tell us a bit about yourself and HBR and what you folks are doing in this data lake space. Sure. Uh, Thank you, Eric. And happy to be on the show today. So my name is uh, Mark Vanderweel. I spent my career about 20 years working in the database space and also in the data replication space. Very happy to be at HVR today. And at HVR, we provide technology to replicate data. Uh, We pride ourselves um, to support many heterogeneous platforms. And like Eric said, we can do this um, change data capture approach. In fact, we support log-based change data capture so that we can pick up changes not only to ensure that we don't miss any changes, but also in real time so that Mm -hmm. we can get the changes out of um, source systems into destination technologies as quickly uh, as possible with as low latency as possible. Uh, Within uh, that ecosystem, we support initial data load. We support, of course, the log-based change data capture and continuous integration for heterogeneous uh, environments. We also have a data validation component that Neil uh, referenced earlier, where we can uh, validate that the data is, in fact, identical on the destination to the way it is on the source. And then we also have a component where we provide the insights into the data replication streams so customers have um, have pretty charts to look at to see how the data volumes change and to drill into to see um, how the latency evolved over time, etc. Organizations use HVR to push uh, data from uh, mostly traditional database applications, uh, lots of ERP systems, lots of homegrown applications or industry-specific applications into data lakes um, and sometimes also directly into data warehouses, um, working with uh, Neil and the team at Wearscape a lot, but also um, into reporting systems as well. So that's a bit about me and a bit about HVR. Yeah, and let's talk about some of those use cases, too, because to your point, there are times when a company is going to want to have information in a different place very, very quickly. We had an airline example on our last show, but just think about a customer service center to know what has happened in the very recent past. That can be just make or break in terms of keeping a customer, right? Exactly. If you think about the example of a, of a customer support center, you, you want to have all of the relevant information of, about that customer in one place so that as you're talking to the customer, you can provide the right um, feedback 
um, in order to keep the customer happy. And it, it, it would be relevant to know if there's um, potential outstanding issues or if we're talking about, let's say, a, a telco, then it would be relevant to know uh, whether calls have recently been dropped for this particular customer and you'd like to know other interactions. So there's a lot of um, potential data sources. There's maybe even some social media feeds that that um, are relevant in order to to have that most optimal customer interaction right there and then to make that customer, um, well, exceed their expectations in the end so that they end up um, staying or becoming a happy customer. Yeah, this is such a good point. And, and just to kind of remind our audience, the reason this is so important, <clears throat> excuse me, is that um, trying to fix a problem through existing information systems and existing information infrastructure can actually be very, very difficult. So there are all kinds of reasons for that. There are cost reasons. There are bureaucracy reasons. There are governance reasons, for example. There are lots of reasons why your systems are designed the way they are today. And so while it's true that sometimes you can go to the source and attack some issue maybe in the data warehouse, for example, well, a lot of times that's just not plausible or not even possible. And so that's when you get into this world of data replication. And maybe, Mark, if you would talk a little bit more about this log-based architecture, that's very, very clever what you folks have done. Because, again, a lot of information systems will persist logs just for troubleshooting reasons, but also to have a record for what was done, for example, in, in the audit trail. That's very important. So if you have a technology like HBR, which can access these logs, and then persist that data somewhere else, replicate that data to a customer service center, to wherever it needs to go, any target system, all of a sudden you've opened up a whole new world of visibility into what's happening right now in your business. And now more than ever, that expedience is so critical. Right, Mark? That's right. In fact, um, with our log-based change data capture, we hook into some of the um, – the core capabilities that databases have built into their technologies um, that enable um, their high availability and their recoverability. So this goes way back, and I won't bore the audience with uh, all of the details. Um, But at the end of the day, the database, as we commit changes, or when when we fill out a form on a website, let's say, and if this is on our internal CRM system, when we hit the submit button, we submit those changes to a database, and that is a transaction. And the, the database is designed to not release the control back to the application until the transaction has been properly committed and right. uh, is fully recoverable. And that means for most database technologies that the, database, that the changes were written to the transaction log. So those changes make it into the transaction log basically as the application is waiting for the for the commit of the transaction. Now with HR reading the transaction logs directly on a on a multitude of technologies, we can capture those changes immediately as as they happen and propagate those into um, into other Systems into data lakes, into into data warehouses, and with the um, sitting on the on the tail end of that log allows us to provide changes essentially in 
as close to real time as it gets. But at the same time, because we're reading the logs, we don't actually uh, affect the application directly. We are asynchronously looking at the, the change log, and we don't slow down the transaction when there's there's alternative CDC methods that would have an impact on on the on the transaction itself and, and could end up slowing down the system. So with with CDC, we get both the real time aspect, but also no impact on the on the transactions themselves. Yeah, and so <clears throat> this is an excellent. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a bit of cold here, but this is an excellent point to kind of dive into and to, to explain to our audience why this is so important. So one of the reasons why it's difficult to change an operational system to get your data from the the system itself, for example, instead of from a log file, is because you will be taxing the performance of that system. And when you deal with with production systems like, let's just choose an example here. Let's say you're working with a big retailer and you've got the wrong product and you want to get the right product. Well, if you take this approach that we're talking about with Mark from HVR, then you can feed customer service centers with real-time data of what's actually happening in production systems, whereas without this approach, you would need to go through the, the standard pipeline, if you will, to get the production data, and that might take a day, it might take two days, it might take a week, depending upon how things are designed in that system. And the bottom line with operational folks is that the people responsible for running these systems, the actual production systems that get you your product, well, they're very finicky about anybody tinkering with that system. Because if you slow it down even a fraction of a second, multiply that out by 50,000 customers per hour on the phone with you, and all of a sudden you have a real issue. So if you've ever been calling up your retailer or, or your phone company or whatever, and like, oh, I'm very sorry, clickety-click, the systems are moving slowly today, that's because there are problems in the system. And so what's very clever here is using this log-based approach to get that real-time data to feed those other downstream users, whether it be in the call center or even some executive may want a dashboard to see what are the problems happening. If you can't see what's happening, it's very difficult to change something about that. And that's what gets me so excited about this approach. So, Mark, what you're really doing is you're giving much greater visibility into what's actually happening inside your own business. And that gives decision makers that not only the the information, but the impetus to make some change. Right, Mark? Exactly. That is exactly right. Hmm. Yeah, this is cool stuff. I mean, there are obviously, um, it takes time to implement these kinds of solutions, but if you think about, and you have to have these sort of reverse timelines, right, where you think about, okay, we let's say Christmas is coming up in, well, we're in September now, so it's just over three months away. You, you always want to be planning for those peaks and valleys such that you're not blindsided by things, but now would be a pretty good time for organizations to explore what you folks are doing to prepare for something like the Christmas holidays, right, Mark? That's right, and we uh, we definitely see traditionally Q4 um, as as one of our busier quarters. Yeah, you know, I've actually researched this for a number of years now, and it's kind of fun to see the amount of innovation that spins out of cyclical activities like the Christmas season. So even all the way back to the early days of the World Wide Web, 
and of having distributed architectures, well, there were folks thinking about this 25 years ago and 20 years ago and 15 years ago, and now we've kind of solved a lot of those problems, but there are always newer problems to be solved, right, Mark? And if you're going to solve some net new problem, the first thing you want to do is get all the right data for it, and I think that's why you have such a focus on replication as a solution for that kind of thing, right? Because, again, the existing pipes, the existing processes in some of these large organizations, especially for anything that's data intensive, it's going to be hard to tinker with that or to, to mess with that. So you want to have an unobtrusive mechanism for reaching in and grabbing that data and then sending it where it needs to go, right, Martin? That's right. In fact, we see a lot of organization. Um, if you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, Ph.D. If you've ever had questions about your health, listen to Healthline Live now online at qnlabs.com. Every Monday through Saturday, I'll take your nutrition questions live during show hours and guide you the best I can on your path to great health. The key to great health is nutrition, and unfortunately, our food sources are not even close to what they used to be. Go to qnlabs.com and join me to learn about quantum nutrition. Ask your questions and get real answers. I'll give you the truth so you're empowered to make excellent nutrition and lifestyle choices. Remember, each day's show streams 24 hours until the next show, so you can listen at your convenience from anywhere, anytime. If you miss a show, you can still find it archived on the website. So take advantage of this great opportunity to educate yourself and your family. That's Healthline Live every Monday through Saturday on QNLabs.com. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on Query This, part of Inside Analysis, a great new series really focusing on the power of analysis. And if you're going to query your data, well, first of all, your data has to be there. <laughs> it has to be in some usable format. That takes time. It takes effort. But there are lots of clever ways to get that done these days, and that's what we're talking about on today's show. So I'd like to bring back Mark Vandeville from HBR. And, Mark, I'm really intrigued by this concept that you just threw out there and the importance of being able to make changes. So one of the cool things about having this kind of tool in your toolkit for an information worker is that once you set up your pipelines, where data is going from, where to, where, etc., if you have this capability to do so, you can change your mind down the road, and it's not so painful. And that's a very powerful 
component to any strategy, it seems to me, is to enable your data engineers, your senior executives, to change their minds about things, to realize maybe that, hey, we made a mistake, we thought the solution was going to work, turns out it doesn't. So if you have this sort of data marshalling layer, which you can do with an HBR technology, that enables better decision-making, it enables people to change their minds, right, Mark? Exactly. And we work with customers for, for years, and we go through that evolution of changes with customers. We, we see customers who start with an on-prem solution a few years ago, and then at some point they decide that cloud becomes part of their primary architecture, infrastructure. So then they want to start shifting some of their workloads to the cloud, and more often than not, it's the analytical workloads that first start shifting to the cloud, and then the cloud opens up new capabilities, and with the advent of the data lake, now they're going to be building a data lake and, and, and using the same capture technology that already fed into their analytical system to also feed um, the data lake as well. That's a powerful approach, but then some of their data flows will continue to shift. Uh, sometimes we see the source also migrate to a cloud-based system. We see application upgrades, etc. And all throughout, um, uh, we see our, our clients take advantage of the capabilities that HR provides to make such changes as, as, as less painful as they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, personally, I love the ability to make changes like that because this whole concept of lock-in, it's really been around for a long time. And Neil Barton, I'll bring you back into this from Wearscape. Uh, people don't really like <laughs> lock-in just as a general rule. People want to be able to change their minds. And I think one of the really cool capabilities that technologies like yours at Wearscape and HVRs does is it enables that agility. It allows your organization to pivot and to, to move in a new direction. And I think that's absolutely critical going forward in the business world. What do you think, Neil? I would agree completely. I mean, I think looking at uh, the data warehousing space over the last you know, 15, 20 years, it used to be my upgrade process was buy a bigger box, right? Upgrade Oracle, just get a bigger machine. Now we're seeing companies have to adopt open source technologies as they go to the cloud. So the, the underlying platform was more fluid. So you know, tools like ours where we are automated with co-construction gives them a level of comfort that should I have to change or incorporate new technology either because something better came along or I chose the wrong technology, made a mistake, or my business needs to change, I need to drag in something else. We can generate the code for a particular platform and then as they change it and evolve it over time, that metadata-based framework is going to allow them to more easily regenerate portions of the warehouse, whereas historically, if they you know, handcrafted it, they'd be rewriting it again from scratch uh, by hand. So it gives IT a level of comfort that they can evolve their, their architecture uh, without having to start again from scratch. So a huge benefit in today's world of uh, you know, agility and, and the, the realities of business in this space. Yeah, and you know, Mark, I'll bring you back into this too. Another one of my famous soapbox, soapbox issues is kind of cropping up here, and that is morale. And there's a psychological aspect to having agility, right? When, when you know that you can make a change if you want to, it's a very liberating thing. 
and it's good for morale. It's good for business because you know that you can change your mind at some point, whereas if you can't, that has a, a sort of deadening effect on creativity. And to me, creativity is, is going to be ever more important in the business world as companies need to really focus on what makes them special, what differentiates them, and that's going to be in your data. So the more access you have to your data, the better off you are, and the more comfortable you are knowing that you can make a change, you can take a new direction as needed, that's going to fuel creativity, and I think it's going to fuel innovation. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think as um, as a business, as an organization, um, you would want to focus on what's your primary business. You would want to focus on what is what is it that differentiates my organization from the others that are out there. What do we do that's either different or that's a separate, like a, a different offering that others don't provide, and, and then focus on that offering and the... Um, as you said, the difference is nowadays often in the data. So having the ability to uh, look at the evol- ever-evolving landscape of technologies that are available, and certainly, again, with the cloud, services almost pop up on a daily basis where you can start taking advantage of some of the artificial intelligence or the machine learning techniques because they become available to you, and suddenly you like you want to have a quick and easy way to start exploring those technologies for the benefit of of your organization because you want to differentiate from your competition you want to enrich your offering you want to to more exceed your customers expectations and all these technologies allow you that but yes i totally agree from a morale perspective um, it's liberating to know that you can now explore those technologies without having to worry about, well, once I decided I want to use one of them, like right. how am I going to get through uh, acquiring <laughs> the software, allocating the hardware to run it, and all of these these changes that quite literally are only a few years ago we were still struggling with. Yeah, I'm going to call it the perceived future pain associated with making some change down the road. I'll I'll bring you back in, Neil, to kind of comment on that. It is a very real psychological thing for an IT person to know, oh, geez, they're going to want to switch data warehousing providers? Oh, my goodness, my life is about to be over. (laughs) And you need to change that, right? So the cloud (laughs) is a very compelling storyline because if you can enable the agility, like Mark just said, New features show up all the time. It's it's a whole different world now in the cloud as opposed to the on-prem. The, even in on-prem, you get your latest version of some new features and so forth. But the speed of innovation seems to me is much faster in the cloud. What do you think, Neil? Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the cloud has significantly lowered the barrier to entry for organizations. Like small organizations can now build out a data lake uh, using S3. They don't need to go and requisition millions of dollars worth of hardware and spin up HDFS. Uh, so that's allowed that. I think the, the realities of, of the space are it is going to evolve and you need to be able to accommodate that. And I think the, 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 from a morale aspect, the, having a tool like Westgate generate all that repetitive work allows developers to actually focus on adding value to the business and they see tangible results from, from their work with the business rather than just hacking or whacking with code. And so I think there's a, a good aspect from a morale standpoint there. And from a business standpoint, to Mark's earlier point, 
with this data economy, you've got to be able to extract maximum value out of the data that's available to you to provide a competitive advantage. If you do nothing, you can be sure your competitors most definitely are uh, trying to do a one-up on you. Yeah, that's right. And and the, the one-up that someone's going to get on you is either going to come from data or from technology. I mean, once in a while, it's going to be a really good human asset. It's going to be some person who comes in and is very good at what they do. But guess what? <laughs> Odds are that person's going to be good at using data, at analyzing data, at, de- at designing a new architecture. Again, the whole key here is flexibility and, and avoiding that uh, nasty term called lock-in. And Mark, I'll kind of throw it over to you just for some closing thoughts here. The key is you want to enable agility and automation is a big part of that. And really, strategic use of data is a big, big part of that. Right, Mark? Exactly. And I think the um, – and, and, and maybe add that I mentioned that there's multiple cloud providers and there may be different reasons why you use any one of them. But um, looking at the data lakes and, and, and why you need them is to, to build up a, his, a history of the data – have it in a cost-effective environment so that if and when you want or need to go back to your data set, maybe to to rebuild your 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 data models for the um, artificial intelligence for your data mining techniques, then the data is there. It's there for you to to utilize. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. What a great point. Well, folks, look these companies up online. Wherescape, like W H E R E Scape and HVR, and we'll talk to you next time, folks. You've been listening to Query This, part of Inside Analysis. Why are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world, online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook. You'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And get ready to transmit. Do you love to dine out and travel? Then join me, the number one food critic, Alan Borgen, host of the Let's Dine Out TV show on PBS every Saturday at 4 p.m. for the new Let's Dine Out radio show on KCAA 1050 AM. Along with my co-host, Isabel Bussey, we will be reviewing local restaurants, interviews with culinary professionals, review new cooking products, cookbooks, plus so much more, including giving away free gift certificates. That's the new Let's Dine Out radio show right here on KCAA 1050 AM every Saturday at 4 p.m. Happy eating! Hi, this is Todd from the Flip Flop Investors Show. Join us every Thursday at 4 p.m. where we talk about real estate investments here in the Inland Empire on KCAA, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.